Welcome. Today is part one of a three-part series talking about mole toxicity. Before we dive into all of this, I just got a new puppy and she is absolutely adorable. She's just 12 weeks old, so you might hear her bark in the background and just know that that's what's going on. And if you want to know what she looks like, follow my stories on Instagram because I'm posting pictures constantly because she is so cute. If you've been diagnosed with mold toxicity, you probably are a mix of relief and overwhelm. You're relieved to know that you aren't crazy. You're having all of these weird symptoms and now you know the cause. It isn't all in your head. You might also be overwhelmed because there's just not a lot of information out there. And what is out there is completely overwhelming. Just being straight up front. So today is part one. Part one is diving into what mole toxicity is, the symptoms, how to test for it, and the different approaches out there to help you heal your body. In episode two, I'm diving into how to use food to help you heal. In episode three, we'll talk through how to make your home a safe haven for the health of you and your family. By the end of all three, you will be armed with the information you need to move forward confidently in healing your body. Welcome to the Road to Living Whole podcast. I'm your host, Marion Mitchell. I help people diagnosed with chronic disease figure out how to eat so you can live life again. This podcast is going to teach you my realistic approach to eating well with chronic disease, plus all the lifestyle strategies that are essential to truly having the life you dream of. Need a friend to help you plan meals, navigate the complicated healthcare system, and regain confidence again? I see you, friend, and I have the answers you've been seeking. Grab your kombucha notebook, let's dive in. I would like to share a definition of what mold toxicity is. I found a great one by Dr. Shoemaker, and he says, an acute and chronic systemic inflammatory response syndrome acquired following exposure to the interior environment of a water-damaged building with resident toxigenic organisms, including, but not limited to, fungi, bacteria, acetomyces, I don't know if I said that right, and mycobacteria, as well as inflammagens, as well as endotoxins, beta-glucons, hemolysins, proteinases, manins, and possibly spirocyclic drymenes, as well as volatile organic compounds. That was a lot. But basically, you're exposed to mold in your environment. Typically, this is moldy buildings, drywall, wood, etc. However, if you're a mold-sensitive person like me, if you live in a part of the country that has a lot of environmental molds, that can also cause your symptoms. Here's my story. I have asthma. I always have Uh, Typically, it's well controlled these days. However, there were times when we lived in really cold environments and my I was um, I would really struggle. And then uh, if I lived in moldy environments, so in college, uh, I, I went to college in East Tennessee in the Appalachian Mountains. That's how they pronounce it there, by the way. And there's a lot of mold just in the air. It grows on trees, plants, 
you know, require mold. That's part of the process that breaks them down. So there's mold spores all in the air. And when I lived there year round, I was on two daily inhalers plus an, a prevental or a, an, my emergency inhaler, albuterol, just to be able to breathe every day. I also experienced many of the symptoms of mold toxicity. I didn't experience all of these that I'm going to list, and most people don't have all of them, just a lot of them. So symptoms of mold toxicity include persistent coughing, headaches, frequent chest colds, difficulty breathing, allergic reactions, an ever-growing list of food and chemical sensitivities, inflammation of the sinuses, general fatigue and lethargy, memory loss, trouble concentrating, sensitivity to light, nerve issues such as numbness in the hands and feet, general pain and cramps, unexplained weight gain, and anxiety. That looks like a lot of different things that seem completely unrelated. You can see why getting a diagnosis would be difficult. The other thing that makes it difficult with getting diagnosed is not everyone who gets exposed to mold gets sick immediately. Obviously, there's toxic mold, there's black mold. Most people get extremely ill from that. You know, if there's like mold in your home and it's not black mold, not everyone in your family might get sick. In fact, you might be the only one. And what that is called is a canary in the coal mine. We get sick first, we get the sickest, and we take the longest to recover. (laughs) Great. So how do you get this diagnosis if it's so difficult to get? First, you have to go through doctors until you find one who um, is well-versed in mold toxicity, believes in it, and is able to connect the dots. A good doctor will ask about your health since childhood, places you've lived, and jobs that you've worked, and more. Then you'll test for it. There are several different tests practitioners can choose from and may choose multiple to get an idea of the, the full picture of what's going on. So first, you have environmental testing. This is hiring a skilled environmental mold inspector to find the source of mold in your home or office. Then number two, another test is the organic acid test, also known as OAT. It gives insight into the mold colonization, your body's detox capacity. It also looks at mitochondrial dysfunction, neurotransmitter balance, nutrient status, and more. This would be really helpful because even if you find out that you have mold, if your body can't detox it quickly or properly, you're going to have issues and you're going to be really sick no matter how many binders and supplements that you take. So knowing what your body can handle can help a doctor approach the mold healing process uh, carefully and in an educated way. And then it can, when we look at mitochondrial dysfunction, neurotransmitter, nutrient balance, we can see If you're absorbing nutrients, we can see um, what else is off. And then there can be some therapeutic stuff that they do in addition to in, in addition to like binders and mold inhibitors and things like that to make sure that you are able to feel good during this process because getting rid of mold is really difficult. It, it does not feel good. 
Then there's uh, mycotoxin testing. Uh, it's a urine test where they can see the different species that you have been de- you might be dealing with. If the pretest is done correctly, typically by taking glutathione, it can see just how high of levels you have. This is typically step one, actually, and then people will move to step two and step three which is like environmental testing and, you know, oat testing, stool testing, things like that. Some practitioners might want to do the oat and the mycotoxic testing together. Uh, And it just really depends on what you can and are willing to afford. And then I I just mentioned this, so I'm going to dive into it, stool testing. This is helpful, but it's not a typical diagnosis test. It assesses GI inflammation, uh, malabsorption, and identity, identify, (laughs) oh, I can't talk today, other potential GI pathogens. The OAT test is a better test, but if your GI symptoms don't improve, you might use this test later on. Again, it's just another piece of the puzzle, right? So you're going to pee in a cup, send it off to a lab, and then get your results. Sometimes practitioners will tell you to take a glutathione supplement before testing to release the mold and get it into your bloodstream. So that's really interesting because I've had people who are mold toxic test and they don't test positive for it. And then there's their symptoms don't get better, don't get better, don't get better in either their doctor or they find a new one. And they say, all right, we're going to take glutathione before and then you're going to take the test. And then the mold is like off the charts and they're able to see several species that didn't even pop on the first test. So the doctors I've worked with have always done this and they uh, so that they get accurate results. But I know there's some doctors out there who don't do that. Uh, So it just kind of it just kind of depends. Now let's talk about approaches to healing. When it comes to treatment, there are a few options practitioners typically use. There's nasal sprays because mold is uh, in what we call the outside of the body. It colonizes in the sinuses and the digestive tract. So you'll get a, a nasal spray to help reduce and kill the bacteria that's taking hold in your sinuses. We'll start making it uninhabitable, right? And then you're going to also take binders. And that's something typically like activated charcoal or bentonite clay. And what they do is they take hold of the mold and pull it out of your body. Now, this is both good and bad. This is great because it's helping to get the mold out of your body. But you think of it like taking out the trash with a hole in your trash bag. Like it's going to leave a trail behind of mycotoxins. You might feel worse before you get better. Then you're also going to take supplements to support your detox pathways, especially for your liver. And there are a lot of different options out there for this. And it really depends on your practitioner and your blood work and what they like. And everything's really individualized here. Some programs and practitioners out there like to do what I call punching mold in the face. They like to go hard and kill it as fast as possible. I hate this approach. I hate it. Um, I, it. People feel absolutely awful to the point that they can't function and they would rather live with the mold toxicity than with the treatment because the treatment is so much worse. 
I am a big fan of Dr. Neil Nathan's approach to helping people recover. His is slow and steady wins the race. He prefers to start slow on the mold killers and inhibitors and binders and only to each person's tolerance. So somebody, a full, somebody might only be able to take an eighth of a dose for like six months before moving to a quarter of a dose. It might take them up to 18 months to reach a full dose for the medications and the supplements to where they are still able to function. I much prefer this because we don't want the healing to be worse than the disease, right? I feel this way because mold goes down shooting. When it dies, it's going to take everything out around it with it. And this is how it survives in nature. It kills other molds around it when it's dying because it wants to thrive. It doesn't want the other mold to thrive, right? So typically when somebody is struggling with mold toxicity, they already feel horrible. And then the mold starts dying and their quality of life gets even worse. Like they have to be able to function, right? So yes, you definitely want to get the mold out, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. On average, it takes three to five years to recover from mold toxicity. I know that this is not exactly the news you want to hear, but the good news is it doesn't mean you have to feel like crap the entire process. It does slowly get better. It's a balance of mold inhibitors, binders, a low mold diet, and then moving to a low mold lifestyle until it's gone, right? And then we're going to clean up your environment and we're just going to let your body do its job. It will help you heal. Your body wants you alive more than you do. I guarantee it. Our bodies are absolutely amazing. It just takes time. In our culture, we just want things like immediately, but it doesn't work that way. Our bodies can only detox so much at a time. And if we kill the mold too quickly, our bodies get overwhelmed and it tells us. So there are three steps to recovering from mold toxicity, the mold inhibitors, binders, and supplements, a low mold diet, and cleaning up your environment. So today we talked about step one. Next week, I'll be diving into the low mold diet, how to lead into it, what it looks like, how long to stay on it, and then how to transition off of it while still supporting your health. You will not want to miss it. And if you want to get started ASAP on a low mold diet, go into the show notes and schedule a 30 minute meet and greet with me. We can talk about what we have going on and then I can share with you the low mold diet that I have. I'll also link that meal plan into the show notes as well. And then if you want extra support or just a listening ear, you can schedule that meet and greet and it's completely free. And then we can talk and we can talk about what you have going on and I can let you know um, how else I can help you. So see you guys next week. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. If you found this episode helpful, would you do me a favor and help others find it by leaving a review, sharing a screenshot on social media, or sharing the link with a friend? By you sharing what you've learned, others are able to find this podcast and join our community. Be sure to check out my website, www.roadtolivingwhole.com for over 160 delicious recipes, 
a variety of meal plans, and a blog packed full of even more healthy living tips. If you'd like to learn more about how to work with me as your coach, you can schedule a free consult through www.roadtolivingwhole.com backslash health dash coaching backslash. Until next time, friend. Bye.